Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a message that probably doesn't have anything to do with any of you. I'm probably the only person here who has, has any problem with this at all. But it is, it is the matter about being patient. It, 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 it just, he just flat out just says that we, we need to, to be patient. That's what he's talking about. Now, I'm sure if, you, if you're patient all the time, then it just, this doesn't apply to you. But in case you're not, uh, then you need to listen carefully. Amen? And, and I say that facetiously because I think all of us, excuse me, all of us can at some time deal with the matter of impatience. I think we're born that way. We're born that way in our little sin natures. I, I have a, one of my grandchildren just turned one. Her birthday was on Friday. She's one year old. And we had the opportunity on, over the holidays to keep her a little bit of time. Lynn kept her a lot more than I did. But I came in the other day, and, and Lynn was cooking supper, but she was also feeding Hannah Butter beans, one at a time. You know, you put them on their tray, and they pick it up and eat it and that kind of thing. And, and I'm here to tell you, she was over there eating those butter beans. And while Lynn was cooking, I was in charge of putting the butter beans on the tray. And do you know what a little joker is? Impatient? I mean, you just can't, you, you can't get the butter bean there. I mean, one year old and impatient for me to get that butter bean off the plate, onto her plate, so she could eat it. And I thought, well, Lord, if, if one-year-olds are impatient, I guess all of us can struggle with a matter of being impatient. Obviously, it must be an issue because James specifically addresses this matter of being patient. Because if you're not patient and impatience in your life, it will bring about a multitude of sins. Did you know that? Sins will come about because of the impatience of your life. All throughout the Bible, there's pictures of somebody who was impatient and therefore brought about sin in their life. So let's see what he says to us about this matter of patience. It's chapter 5 of James, verse 7 and following. Listen to what he says. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soul, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. He says this, be patient. Let's talk about that a minute. When is it in our spiritual journey, when is it that we have to be patient? When is it that we need to have patience in our spiritual walk, our spiritual journey? Well, one of those times is whenever you are either looking for a promise from God, you're, you're facing an issue, you're facing a situation, 
And you need a word from God about that situation. And God just doesn't readily give it to you. You don't get it that first day. And you have to just keep searching as a hungry man looks for bread. And you're looking for that promise or that word that you need. That takes patience, right? You have to keep persevering. You have to keep walking through that. You have to be patient because God's going to give you that word. He just wants you to be looking and searching before he, fi- he finally gives you that word. Well, that's a time that you, you have to have patience. But there's another time. Once God gives you that promise, you face an issue and God speaks to you a promise and says, this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to handle that. But it doesn't immediately happen. It doesn't mean it take place. But wouldn't it be nice if God just gave us a promise in the morning and that afternoon it took place? Hallelujah. That's easy. That doesn't happen that way. Matter of fact, it seems like the more that you're, you mature in the faith, the longer the time may be between when you get the promise and when you receive the promise. But in that time, you've got to be patient. You've got to wait until God's timing for God to do what God wants to do and to give you what he wants you to give in his timing. So those are two times that you have to have patience, to look for that promise God wants to give you or to wait for that promise to be fulfilled. Here's the second thing. You have to be patient with your own spiritual journey. Isn't that true? We have to be patient with our own spiritual journey because we do not mature spiritually as fast as we would like to. And we have not arrived yet. And God is still working on us, and we have to have patience. I brought the song sheet up here because I want you to see the words of that last song. That's what this song is all about. Listen to the last word. You say, I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? (laughs) Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. You know what that's a cry? That's a cry of a person who is saved, who has a spiritual life with God, but who struggles with the fact of knowing who they are and believing what God says about them rather than the other voices and the other fighting that comes about in their heart and their life. And sometimes we can get impatient about our spiritual journey. I would like to immediately be mature. I would like to immediately have the answers to everything. Well, that's not the way it happens. It didn't happen that way physically for you. You didn't just immediately grow up physically and you don't grow up spiritually. And therefore, you have to be patient with yourself. Sometimes, because we are impatient, sometimes we get angry at ourselves. We get discouraged in ourselves, and we want to lay it all down. We don't want to try anymore. We don't want to keep pursuing that anymore. Why? Because we become impatient with our spiritual journey. Wait a minute. God's in charge of that. He'll grow you up. Just keep reading that word, keep praying, keep meeting with him. God will grow you up. But you can have patience in your own spiritual journey. Third thing, though, our fourth thing is this. You can become impatient with somebody else's spiritual journey and spiritual maturity. Isn't that true? 
I, I mean, sometimes you're, you've been praying for that person and you want that person to have a heart for God and you want that person to fall in love with Jesus and you want that person to start having a quiet time and get the Word of God in their heart and life. You want to see that person change in some of their habits and activities and attitudes. You want to see that happen because you love them. That's your husband. That's your wife. That's your children. That's your mom and daddy. That's your brother and sister. That's a friend across the road. I don't know who it might be, but you're longing for them and you desire for them to grow and grow and then whenever they have a bump in the road and and they don't show that maturity and they're not where you would hope they would be in relationship to that you can get discouraged and you can get impatient well there's another one there's plenty others but I'll just give you another example another example is it's, it's when you're just tired of the way things are and you're ready for the Lord to come back you're ready for the Lord to come back and to show himself powerful and strong and set everything right. Amen. Do you ever feel that way? I don't see how you don't feel that way if you're a child of God. All you have to do is read the newspaper, uh, uh, listen to the news, and something in your heart says, Lord, you need to come make things right. Lord, Lord, we're primed and ready for you to come and, and reveal yourself because we're headed the wrong direction. And we can be impatient because the Lord hasn't come when we want the Lord to come. In our spiritual journeys, there can be those times when we are impatient. We are impatient. But he says, don't be impatient. Be patient. Be patient. And he says, here's how you can be patient. How you're able to do that. Look what it says in verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. In other words, he says... You can be patient because he is coming. He is coming. Now, that can mean two things. That can mean he comes timely. In other words, in that situation of life experiences where you want that promise, he's going to show up and give you that promise. Where you want that person mature, he's going to show up and bring that maturity. In your own life, you want, he, he will do that. He can, mean, he can mean timely or he can mean ultimately. In a timely sense is, is be patient because he's working in us each and every day. And an ultimate sense, be patient because he's coming. He's coming. Just as he came the first time, he will come the second time. And just as it was proclaimed he would come the first time, and he did that, it's been proclaimed he'll come the second time, and he will do that. You just need to hang on. See, if you know he's coming, and you know he's doing it in a timely manner, ultimately, you can hang on. That's what, that's what he says. Be patient. Listen, be patient until the Lord shows up. For he will show up. Now, he gives us, James does a wonderful job of giving us illustrations. And he gives us some illustrations in this passage. The first illustration he gives us is he says, you need to be as patient as the farmer. As patient as the farmer. Some of you probably grew up on a farm. Any of you grew up on a farm? All right. Any of y'all grew up on a farm? Well, I guess none of y'all grew up on a farm. <laughs> All right. I see some of those hands. It's okay. Be proud you grew up on a farm. You know, I grew up. Well, he, he uses the farmer as an example of patience. And he says, you need to be patient. Look there at verse 7. Behold, a farmer waits for his precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early 
and late rains, you need to be like the farmer. In your spiritual journey, you need to be like the farmer, for the farmer is patient. Now, think about that for a minute. What is the, what is the job and what does the farmer do? Write these things down. The first thing the farmer does is he tills the ground or plows the ground. He turns over the dirt because nothing can grow on hard dirt if you throw the seed out there. So he, he has to till up the ground. After he tills that ground, then he takes the seed and he places the seed in the ground, right? He puts that seed in the ground. After he puts the seed in the ground, he is going to give it fertilize and he is going to care for the ground around the seed. In other words, he's going to weed it. He's going to keep the weeds from coming up and choking out the plant. He's going to do those things. So he's tilled the ground. He's put the seed in the ground. He's now fertilized the ground and taken care of the ground. And here's the next thing. He waits for the rains. It says here he has to have the early rains and he has to have the late rains. The early rains are essential in order for germination to take place. No seed is going to grow where it's dry. It takes the moist soil, and that soil literally takes and crushes the seed. And out of that seed comes forth life. And it takes the early rains in order to germinate the seed in order for it to sprout and to come forth. But if it sprouts and comes forth and it doesn't get any more rain, it will dry up. It takes the latter rains in order to provide that to the plant so that the plant will have all that is needed and everything's needed in order for it to mature and to produce the fruit. He has to produce the fruit. So he has to have the early and the late rains. The early and the late rains. Not only that, he has to hope for the favor of God. Isn't that true? I mean, there's nothing more vulnerable in all of life than than crops. On my way home, I I see crops, and there's either cotton fields or corn fields. And and it's beautiful when the rains come, they'll be beautiful. But if a storm comes, it can knock almost all the cotton off of those cotton plants, and, and it can, it can, the wind can blow over the corn. He has to pray and ask for the favor of God, and then finally and ultimately, he will harvest the crop. He will harvest the crop. But every one of those things that he does, it requires waiting. It requires waiting. From the time he plants the seed until the time he harvests the crop, there is a period of waiting. There's a period of of seeing what God is going to do. That takes great patience. And he says, like the farmer has patience with his crop, you need to have patience in your spiritual journey. You need to do the right things, but you need to trust in God that God is going to do what he is going to do. So let's talk about that waiting. Look what he says in verse 8 about the waiting that the farmer has to do. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do you know what it takes to have patience? It takes great strength. It does. You say, patience and strength, do those things go? It, it takes a great strength to be patient. Because the first strength it takes is this you got to be, be willing to not do but to wait. Did you hear that? That takes great strength. To not do, but to wait. Supernatural strength to do that. 
There was a man who was trying to teach his children about raising crops. So he took a little garden area and he went over there and he divided it up amongst the children. And, and when he divided up among the children, he gave each of them a seed. And he gave those seeds, he planted them, he divided them out. And they, they waited for the rain to come and the rain came, it germinated, it sprouted up. At least two of the three children there, there sprouted up and came up and the plants were there and he's feeling really good about it. And he kept waiting for that other one. The youngest one never would come up. And he it went on and went. And he finally went over there and he said, I do not understand why. I do not understand why this one has not germinated and has not sprouted. And he says, have you been watching? Have you been doing something? He said, Dad, I've been watching very closely. He said, every day I go out there and I dig it up to look at it to see if it's grown any. See, if you dig up the seed every day, it's not ever going to germinate. If you dig it up every day, it's never going to be crushed. It's never going to sprout. And so that's an example of these were had the strength to wait, and that one wanted to do more than wait. And can I say to you honestly, sometimes we're more in the doing side than we are the waiting side. Sometimes instead of us waiting for God to do what God wants to do in our spiritual lives and somebody else's life, we're going to help him out. We're going to go dig up the seed to find out if he's doing anything. I'm going to go examine and see if he's done anything today. We're, we're digging up the seed where you can't dig up the seed. It takes strength to not do. It takes strength to not do. Amen? And the second thing, it takes great strength to trust You have to trust. When you put a seed in the ground, the farmer does, that's beyond his control. He's trusting what? He's trusting the God of the harvest. He's trusting all the laws of nature that God set in motion. He's trusting something beyond his control. But it takes great strength to trust that which you don't have control over. But the farmer has it. A strength to not do but to wait for the harvest to come. A strength to trust in God rather than having to do it on our own. It takes great strength. It's going to take great strength for you to be patient. One of the most difficult things in life is to be patient. But but how does the farmer do that? The farmer knows one great truth, and there's the truth. Listen, the farmer knows this, that if you take good seed, you put it in good soil, and it gets the early and late rains, it's going to produce good fruit. He knows that. You hear that? You take a good seed, put it in good soil, and it gets the early and late rains, it's going to bring forth good fruit. And that confidence that he has in God, that confidence he has in the system of germination and harvesting, that system of farming, that confidence that he has enables him to put it in the ground to wait until it is harvested. And the reality of that is that he knows and he understands that the Lord God has set those things in motion and the Lord God will take care of it. Notice what he says about that in verse number 8. Don't miss it. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts. Here it is. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. The coming of the Lord is at hand. In other words, 
He's going to show up. He's going to show up. He's not only going to show up, whenever he shows up, he is capable of doing whatever needs to be done. Amen? He's not only capable of doing whatever needs to be done, he is willing to do whatever needs to be done. And he is on hand. It means he's on the job. Your Lord, your God is on the job with you just like he watches over the seed and the ground. He's watching over you. He is on the job. You don't have to be concerned about it. He is at hand. He is right there to do whatever needs to be done. He's there. He's not like the gods of Baal. You remember that story of of Elijah and, and Mount Carmel whenever God told Elijah to go to Mount Carmel and to call Ahaz and the king, the king bring him there and, and to bring all the people of Israel there at that particular time. And there's going to be this contest between God Jehovah and the gods of Baal. You remember that? 450 of those prophets of the gods of Baal came and there was this competition of which God will answer by fire. We'll prepare an altar. We'll place the sacrifice on the altar. And the God who answers by fire is the real God. He tells the prophets of Baal, you go first because you have so many. Y'all can prepare the altar and prepare the sacrifice sooner than I can, for I am only one. And they prepare it, and when they do, they begin to cry out to their God. They cry out to their God, and they dance around. They're doing everything they can. They even at one point begin to cut themselves in order to get their God to respond. And Elijah, he backs up and he makes fun of them. Go back and read that. He makes fun and says, hey, where's your God? Is he asleep? Has he taken a vacation? Is he busy in the restroom? That's what he literally meant. You busy in the restroom? Where is your God? There is no God. And there is no one who can answer by fire. But when it's Elijah's turn, Elijah prays a simple prayer after preparing the altar, the sacrifice, and placing water, remember, on the sacrifice, and it's running in the ditches around the altar. And he prays a simple prayer, God, who's the real God, reveal yourself that you are on the job and that you are the God who answers by fire and comes down and consumes the sacrifice, the altar, sucks up the water. It's all gone because what's the difference? Our God is on the job. He's at hand. Willing, able, and will do it. So whenever you're having a struggle with being patient in your spiritual journey, just remember it works. And God works. And have the confidence in your God that the farmer has in his God and the law of the harvest. Just have that confidence. Well, let me show you a sign of impatience, all right? And I know you're going to need this because none of you probably exemplify this sign. Well, I want to show you this sign. Look what it says. He gives it to us right here, verse 9. Do not complain. Did y'all see that? Y'all might need to underline that, all right? You might want to underline it in your spouse's Bible. Or in your children's Bible, all right? You might want to underline that. for. Listen to what it says. Do not complain. Do you know that complaining has a direct relationship with your impatience? Did you know that? It does. Listen. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, 
that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Notice it's all the same paragraph. There's a paragraph that begins in chapter, in verse 7, and the, it doesn't end till verse 11. All this is the same paragraph. If you remember English, all that in the same paragraph has to do with the same subject. So when the subject in the first thing is about being patient, this continues that thought about being patient. So the aspect of do not complain is not different from or absent from the aspect of patience, but rather it's a part of it, and it's a symptom of impatience. Do you know whenever we become impatient, we have a tendency to complain? Did you hear that? Let me say it again because y'all look really holy. Okay. Whenever we are impatient and we find ourselves being impatient, we have a tendency to complain. Now, do you know who we're really complaining against? You know who we're really wanting to complain to? You know who we're really unhappy with? Let's be honest. Listen, listen. We're really unhappy with God. We, we really are. I mean, God's ultimately in charge. He can do anything he wants to do. He can cause anything to happen. He can work out any time he wants to. And when things don't happen the way we want them to happen and when we want them to happen, and we find ourselves being impatient, we will get to a point that we are complaining. And our real complaint is against God. But hold on a second. Hold on a second. We know that's dangerous. We know that's dangerous, right? And we're not going to be that honest. So so most of us aren't honest enough, and we're not bold enough that we're going to say, God, I'm not happy with what you're doing. God, I'm not satisfied with that. God, I want it to happen now. We don't do that. We don't do that because most of us are reverent enough, are fearing God enough that, man, I'm not going to complain to God. God just might zap me. So we don't do that. So what do we do? Well, here's, here's what happens. Listen to me now. Whenever we are impatient and we want to complain, we don't complain about God, but we complain about each other. Oh, yeah. We complain about each other. We'll find something we don't like with somebody else. We'll complain about what they do, what they didn't do, how they act, how they respond, their personality traits. We'll complain about something. We just got to complain, and we can't complain against God, so we'll complain with somebody. Who is it? And usually it's those people who are closest to us. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. We'll complain to and about those who are closest to us because there's this spirit inside of us that is impatient. It causes me to have agony within my spirit. I'm not going to say anything to God, but I'm going to take it out against somebody else. And the one that I can take it out who will still love me and stay with me and, and not forsake me is that person who loves me most. Amen? Or is that, oh, me? It's true. It's true. Have you ever caught yourself just complaining about somebody that you care about, you love, you're complaining about them, complaining this, and you're just griping and grumbling, and, and, and it's really not anything they've done, it's not anything to do with them, it's something in your heart, and it just comes out against them. I'll never forget when I was a, just a child, 
my aunt is actually six months younger than I am, so we were more like sister and brother. My, par- my grandparents lived on a farm, and I- I'd go up there every summer and spend two or three weeks. Love being on the farm. And, and we were just little bitty things, and, and we- there-, there were all kind of little cattle trails and stuff on the farm. We had a large farm. And-, and-, and what we'd do is sometimes we would get in the pickup, the tailgate would be down, and whenever my grandfather would be driving, we'd jump out of the pickup, hold on to the tailgate, and run behind it. Did any of y'all ever do that? That was, that was a lot of fun. I don't know to do it today, but it was fun then, all right? And we'd just run behind that boy. You would just run a hole in the tailgate. We did that, we did that all, the, all the time, just all the time. I'll never forget one day, my grandmother and grandfather were in the truck. Grandfather's driving. Grandmother's over there. And, and I think we were going, they were going to take us fishing or something. I don't remember. We were going across the pasture, and we decided we'd jump out, and we would run behind the truck. And so we started running behind the truck. But, but before that, we had heard something going on in the cab of the truck. You know what was going on? My grandparents were arguing, arguing. They were, they were just mad at each other. So I don't know what it was about. They, they were mad and arguing with each other. And so they were arguing whenever he was driving across the pasture. We jumped out of the truck, and we're running behind the truck. And all of a sudden, he slams on the brakes, comes around, gets out of the truck, spanks both of us, and throws us in the truck. We had run miles behind that truck. When we got in the truck, we were nothing but kids, but we were smart enough to figure out, he's mad at Momo. Isn't that right? He was mad at Momo. He wasn't going to take it out on her, so he took it out on us. He could get away with that because we were running behind the truck which we had done 150 times before. One example of how whenever we're upset with somebody else, we complain with towards somebody who's closest to us that we can get away with it. And that's why he says, listen, do not complain, brethren, against one another. Whenever you get impatient, don't start doing that. Don't start doing that. For see, if you do that, you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. He had just told us in chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Go back and read it. Be careful lest you be a judge. Don't be the judge of the law. Don't you be judge of anybody else. You're not a judge. There's only one judge, and that's Jesus. He's judge. And don't you make yourself judge. He comes right back here and he says, If you find yourself complaining towards somebody else and holding all against somebody else, once again, you have become the judge. Once again, you've elevated yourself to think you have the right to judge them by complaining against them. And that's not right. And he says this. Notice what he says in verse 9. He says, The judge, capital J, notice the capital J, the judge is standing right at the door. The judge Jesus is standing right at the door. In other words, when you're complaining against somebody, when you're judging somebody, when you're saying something against somebody, Jesus, the judge, is standing right at the door. And when he's standing right at the door, he hears every complaint you make. He hears everything you say. And he knows that you're taking his position in his place, and that's not right. So... Do not complain. Do not judge. He's standing right at the door. Why do we complain? Impatient. Get impatient about life. Well, he gives us two more examples. Listen to what he says. 
Verse 10. As an example, brethren, of this patience, listen, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. He said, there have been people who preceded you who have been patient, the prophets. You know what those prophets' responsibility was? The prophets' responsibility was to get a word from God. And many times that word from God was something that was going to be a foretelling of what was going to happen. It's either a foretelling that a judgment's going to happen or a foretelling of the coming of the Messiah. There's something that God tells them that they're to tell the people that is yet to happen. Well, they have to be faithful to tell that. They have to trust God, and they trusted him to do it. But it didn't always immediately happen. And whenever they would say these prophecies, sometimes the people didn't like what they heard. You know what they did? They would persecute and, and cause misery in the life of those prophets. Oh, Jeremiah, when he prophesied one time, they threw him in a dry cistern. And the king's just going to leave him there. Finally, somebody got him out. But he, he's there in that dry cistern. He thinks that's where he's going to spend the rest of his life. Many of those prophets were placed in jail and house arrest. And many people didn't believe or accept. They rejected what they said. In other words, from the time they got that glorious word from God until the time that that word is fulfilled, it is not an easy time. It was a time of suffering. But they kept holding on. They kept holding on until the prophecy would be fulfilled in their lifetime. And for some of them, they held on until the prophecy was fulfilled after their lifetime. All of those prophecies about the coming of Jesus found in the Old Testament and how he would come on a donkey and be born by a virgin and all these things, they didn't see any of those things, but they proclaimed those things because God told them to. They were ridiculed for it, but they patiently held on until they came to pass even after their lifetime. And he says, listen, the prophets, they suffered. The prophets yet had patience. And, And what is the reward? Here's the reward for patience. Look what it says in verse 11. Behold, we count those blessed who endured. You want to be blessed? You want to be considered as one who's blessed? Then you endure. You endure. You hold on. You be patient in the midst of what God's doing in your life. You hold on, and you will be considered blessed if you will endure. There's a second illustration, though, he gives as an example of this patience. Look what he says there in verse 11. Behold, we count those blessed who have endured. He goes on and says, you have heard of the endurance of Job. How many of you heard about Job? Oh, man, that guy had a a, a horrible life, didn't he? Well, not really. He had a glorious life, a blessed life of God, which caused him to be the one God puts up to say, he will be faithful to me. And then all of that misery comes into his life. Could you imagine having reported in one day that you lost all of your wealth and you lost all your children all in one day? It kind of makes our complaining, our, our complaining look kind of uh, insignificant, doesn't it? Whenever you lose everything and you lose your, all your children in one day, not one child, all your children in one day. And then you lose your health after that. The only thing that you got there with you is a wife who tells you to curse God and die and three friends who say, what have you done wrong? He's not got an easy life, but he was patient. He was patient. 
He, he was patient enough to keep on believing, keep on believing. He had all kinds of questions. He asked God about all kinds of things. He said, I don't understand this until God finally comes back and says, the reason you don't understand is because you're not God, Job. <laughs> you're not God and I am, so you can't figure it out. But just know this, you're to serve me. And God honors him and God blesses him by restoring to Job that which he had lost. Multiplies it over because the rewards, listen to what he says, the rewards, verse 11, of those who will be patient is you find that the Lord is full of compassion and that he's merciful. That's another reward of being patient. If you'll just be patient, you find that he is full of compassion and that he is merciful. You don't have to beg God to do things for you. He wants to do things for you. You don't have to beg God to show you kindness and favor. He wants to show you kindness and favor. That's the very nature of God. But he's able to do that whenever his children will be patient. For the early rains and the late rains and be patient when they don't understand. But hold on. Because I know I serve a good God who has promised that he will bless those who endure and he's full of mercy and compassion. So I will hold on. I will hold on. Don't we wish that it was easy to be patient? It's not. But it's important to be patient. For God says in his word, and James writes to the church, be patient. Be patient with your own life. Be patient with other people's lives. Be patient with the coming of Christ. Be patient when he gives you a word. Be patient to hold on to that word. Just be patient. And when you find yourself complaining, back up a minute. Find out, why am I really complaining? Is it really about that person? Or is it because I'm not happy? Because I'm impatient. And get it right. Make it right. Be like the faithful farmer. Be like the faithful prophets. Be like faithful Job. And receive the reward of patience that God wants to give to each and every one of us. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.